Hey, this is Louisiana Sister Squad podcast, where we bring you real information to enhance your truther lifestyle. I'm Katie. And I'm Tammy. Welcome Welcome to to the the show. show. Hi, we're back for part two. What what do the feminists want? I'm Katie Truther with Louisiana Sister Squad podcast. And this is Ebony from Jambalaya Talks. Okay, and we are back at it. We left off, we kind of covered uh, some history of what is the feminist movement, what has kind of happened, where it all started, tied it all the way back to Adam and Eve. And then moving forward, we're talking about some propaganda, the effects of propaganda and the harm that it has caused. And so we've used a couple of different cases and scenarios, not in regard to being feminist or the feminist movement, but just how propaganda and messaging works. And so we're going to take it away after our defining what is a feminist and we came to a quick conclusion on our own that we don't see anything that they're saying that they're pushing for advocating for so i now you're prepared to tell us what they want and what they think they don't have right yeah because we were talking before and we were kind of maybe poking the bear a little bit making fun of you know what we think does it make sense in that they're arguing for social equality, for economic equality? And we were saying, yeah, we really don't see it. But I think instead of us presuming that they don't have an argument, let's let them tell us. So I pulled up an article. What is it that women feel they're not equal in? So one of the first ones was women pay more for common household items than men do, which I don't even understand how you come to that conclusion. Like what test, what case study was done? What poll was taken? Where did they do these test case studies? I, I, it's almost like, you know, Americans are so entitled. We're the only people that have to think of ways to be, you know, a victim or to complain, right? So if women pay for more common household items than men do. And these, these are the examples they give, Katie. Shampoo, deodorant even a 10 pack of socks for crying out loud. Can a woman just get a pack of socks? These are among the many products that cost more for women. Okay, according to a 2015 analysis, whatever whatever that means. First of all, men don't have periods. Well, okay, I digress, I'm sorry. Today they do, but when I was born and grew up, men didn't have periods. So that's one item men don't use, right? Deodorant for men. Men don't typically look for deodorant with flowery, you know, uh, um, baby powder scents, right? They, they're, they're pretty simple. You throw a man some brute, he's going to use it. You know, typically men don't really care about that kind of stuff. We have to have things packaged all perfect for us. You know, it has to have a certain ingredient or not. What about shampoo? My husband's bald and has a beard, so I don't know really where to stand on this one. Maybe does your husband have like special shampoo that he... You know, that he has to have, does it have to have like Lang Lang or lemon essence in it? I mean, really, I think that, you know, maybe the majority of men care less about beauty products, but that doesn't mean that there is not a market of high quality hygiene products um, or upkeep or beauty products, whatever you want to call it for men. I mean, they have that available as well. If anything, they have less available And maybe they're actually the ones that are being oppressed by not having um, (laughs) high, high priced, high quality skincare. So I think we've we've hit on something here. This could be a real issue. That's right. (laughs) If my husband can't get some coconut scented Jehovah beard oil, I mean, I don't know. Annie's black. This there might be some racism in here, too, by the way. Um, But, you know, just just that example right there shows you how nonsensical this is because women typically are going to have a plethora of products to to choose from. And because we are primarily marketed to more often than not, right? I haven't really seen a lot of shampoo commercials for men comparatively like I see with women. Yes, they exist. But for the most part, men only, I would say for the last 15, 20 years, started having more products kind of catered to their needs. You know, I mean, my husband has a beard oil and a beard comb 
Like that did not exist. Men just cut their beard and washed it. And that was pretty much it. There wasn't an oil for beards, right? So this is this new manicured man thing is, is, is a new phenomenon. But um, I would say we're going to just go ahead and throw this one in the trash can as lie. All right, let's try number two. Because we're we're really striving, I think. I don't know about you, but I'm really fighting to find something that women have a reason to be upset over and they don't have a right in. So we're either going to keep or trash. What say you? All right. Number two, the Definitely. pink tax. The pink tax isn't just for personal care items. Although things like razors and shampoo are the most egregiously upcharged items, egregiously upcharged, the so-called pink tax means that all kinds of items geared at women cost more. Toys and accessories for girls. <laughs> that barb is going to cost you a couple of cents extra, okay? And they are found to be 7% higher. Women pay more for clothes and protective gear like helmets. Not to mention bigger ticket items like mortgages. Where do they get stuff from? They even pay more for senior home health care products, meaning they pay more for common items from the beginning to the end of their lives. So, Katie, basically what we're being told is from the time we play with that damn Barbie to the time we need depends in the nursing home, we are being taxed to death. I, I demand justice. If I want diapers when I'm 80, I don't think I should pay more than my husband is going to be wearing them, hopefully before I am. I don't think that that's right. I don't. I have three daughters, and they all have Barbie dolls. Uh, the only thing I saw go up in cost was the cost of dolls as they got fatter or more manly looking and had more like shiny clothes because they were trying to make them more relevant. The inclusive and diversity of right. the dolls is yes. what changed it because now they're Barbie. having... Right, but let's yeah. hold on for a second. Now okay. the the person that creates the dolls, you have to have more in, in the art, the manufacturing of the doll, creating the doll, the manufacturing of the doll. Yes. You now have to carry more parts and pieces um, yes. to mix and match. Those things will increase in price as we have to have so much more diversity. Uh, you think about present day when they're going to change, they're changing their marketing to change with the time. And now it's got to be diversity and inclusion and stuff like that. There was a problem with just a girl going, I'm on my period, Tampax, yay. Like I can play volleyball because I have a tampon. Um, right. But instead of like very simple messaging, things have gotten so, so complicated. I mean, that is going to obviously drive up the cost and then, you know, how women want to look that is going to probably cost more because of we've always been into fashion and things like that. And I don't think that that has changed for women at all. I don't see like feminist. I mean, do feminists dress like men to support their cause to show that they're saving so much more money on the products that they're buying? It's a good question. I, but the thing, but the thing that comes to my mind is when they say that uh, toys cost more for girls, I'm just curious, like, how do you prove that? Because we would have to have a side by side study of the G.I. Joe dolls, right, staying at a marginally no, low amount while the dolls for girls are increasing. The toy market doesn't care about that. They care about one thing, their messaging. And the messaging and the propaganda that goes along with the dolls that are part of the DEI ideology is what costs money. I was going to say, it's funny that you brought up G.I. Joe. So there's two G.I. Joes that you have to think of, the little plastic G.I. Joes, right? right. Okay, but G.I. Joe did create a G.I. Joe doll. Right, because it had one, tall one. Right, yeah. they were, and they were very expensive. They were in the market of 125, 150, 175. And I know right. this because my brother, who was obsessed with G.I. Joe his entire life, even when they came out, when he was a little bit older, he wanted them as a collectible item. And yes. it was a collectible item. One is you don't have a higher demand of boys that want dolls. And right. two, they created a completely new um, product with things they didn't have before. They didn't use the, they didn't revamp the Ken doll. This was That's right. um, the, the GI Joe company creating, becoming a doll manufacturer. That's and right. so those were also very expensive, more expensive than, than the Barbies. The, Right, then the 90% yes. of the Barbies. So I did yes. want to point that out because I remember playing with those G.I. Joe. Yeah, I did guys. too. We grew up in that time. That's right. So 
but to but again to try to prove right that the market value is more based on gender than it is driven by economics and whatever your bottom line is going to be is is foolishness businesses care primarily about one thing making money that is their core driver right so if they do cater to gender it is only because they know that particular population is going to actually purchase and has more purchasing power for a certain product they're not looking at it like oh no let's charge more money for dolls right because we want to piss women off that's that's not what's happening but to reset my mind a little bit because i am thinking in terms of economic and business and things like that like there are so many business women so a businesswoman can hear that and think logically about why they cost more and i think that i just unknowingly did that because i'm like wait a minute it's not more because of it's pink but, that's right exactly okay i don't know if i should try to switch it off and just come from let me just hear the information okay let me try again okay so let's go to clothes and protective gear like helmets so clothing again i would argue that clothing just like beauty products um are going to be far more options based there's going to be a lot more there okay women have so many pieces of clothing not to even mention all the underwear that we wear right men don't have brassieres i mean you know you know what i mean, I mean yeah okay some of them do but real men don't have brassieres okay <laughs> Therefore, all of the clothing that we buy, we again have designers that are catering to very specific demographics, even within, even amongst women. So if you go into, let's say, a Target or a Walmart, your eyes can't even land on one thing because there's every type of, there's casual, there's dressy, there's business casual, there's evening, right? Men are literally in suit, tux, work clothes, shorts. That's it. There's no there's no glittery ball gown, right? <laughs> there's no jacket that you can wear from the job to the dinner, right? They they print now they do have more now. And and again, I think that's more because of the constant meddling with what gender is. So they're trying to make things very neutral so that men can wear them. And you know, I know there are men wearing skirts and stuff, but we're not talking about the fringe. We're talking about the majority of men that go shopping in the mall, they are wearing basic things right i used to always talk to a good girlfriend of mine who had a son and she would lament wow you know you have daughters and you got all these cute clothes you can put on them my son literally can wear a button-up plaid shirt a t-shirt okay a pullover corduroy pants shorts or jeans girls can wear leggings and skirts and skirts and dresses and jeans and shorts and rompers and like there's so many if you go in the baby's uh area for clothing how many clothes do you see for babies? So many, you're like, oh, that's so cute. Oh, that's so cute. Your eyes are like drawn to everything. With boys, it's like shorts, <laughs> pants, a couple of variations of plaid, and you're done, right? So I think it makes sense that women's clothing would cost more. Now, the protective gear, I don't understand that one. Is a helmet on a woman functioning any differently than a helmet on a man? Who is this? curmudgeon wicked evil man who hates women that decided uh-uh when you ride a bike protecting your dome is going to cost you a few cents extra i just want you i just want to know what was the dastardly plan he put in place to decide that when we decide to cover our noggin it's going to cost us more to protect our brain and so we don't die well if it's pink and not black, like all of them are manufactured. So now it's got to be painted. If it's got bejeweled on it, if it has, you know, the cat ears on it or the different color spines <laughs> or, the, or the rainbow or whatever. Yeah. Or the eyelashes. Yeah. Painting <laughs> things and manufacturing because the boys is the black helmet and get it out of there get it out of there that is their options oh and you have black and you have blue and then but women want all of these things they wouldn't be creating them and charging more if there wasn't a demand for it so they're going to charge more to change the basic product i mean again i'm sorry i'm so logical maybe <laughs> maybe i'll start identifying as a man 
Well, you're because, not going to make it, honey. You're going to be a cute guy, which means you'll be a gay-looking boy. That's it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, but I think, yeah, and your voice can't go that deep. You're definitely going to have to go on testosterone therapy. <laughs> but remember, what are we talking about? We're talking about ways in which women still aren't equal. I'm I'm only throwing these things in the trash bin. I'm not, I'm not really impressed yet, okay, or convinced. You heard anything that convinces you? Okay, let's continue. Women make less money. Now I'm skipping past the pink tax that New York banned in 2020 and that 20 states had gotten rid of because we were being charged more money for Tampax. I don't know how you do a comparative study study on how we're being charged more for Tampax than men's what? Because men don't use sanitary. Okay, we'll leave that one alone. Um, women make less money than their male counterparts. You and I kind of talked about this earlier. Um, it says, although the pay gap is slowly but surely narrowing, the progress made in the last two get decades has nearly stalled. American women working full-time and part-time in 2022 make 82 cents for every dollar earned by men. To put that number in perspective, women made 80 cents to the dollar in 2002 and 65 cents to each dollar in 1982. And again, you have to look at the job sector. You have to look at what jobs they're working. Let's try nursing. What demographic primarily goes into the nursing field? Women. Right. So if women were to argue that they're getting paid more in that field, they'd be right. But it's because you don't have a lot of male nurses. And male nurses have actually argued that because there's kind of a stigma attached to them being a nurse, they're seen as gay or feminine or whatever. It's like an odd you know, job for them. They still don't make as much money, even though they might be better qualified or have higher education, right? You don't see women fighting alongside them for them to get more pay. Now, when we saw Rapineau, um, who was arguing about not getting paid as much in soccer, right? You and I discussed this before. That is because women are not actually popular in that field. You don't have a bunch of people going to women's soccer games or tuning in to women's soccer games on TV. However, male soccer is dominant on TV and in real time games. So you're not gonna make that much money because people are going to pay for what they actually want, right? But they demanded they make more money. When they actually got the pay raise, they sucked and lost a bunch of games. So they proved exactly why they don't make as much money. Does that mean they don't have great women's soccer players, great women, but no, they have some that are very good at their game. It's just that even I as a woman, and this was true for a lot of polls they took, women prefer to not really watch women play sports, especially male-dominated sports. I don't really enjoy watching women play soccer. I don't like soccer at all, to be fair. But if I had to choose, I'd rather watch guys. I tried to watch women basketball. It was the most boring thing ever. It was so yeah. boring. I was like, yeah, I, I can see why they're not making that much money. But it has nothing to do with what's between their legs. Just saying. Right. And um, again, that's just going to tie back to the economics. If it's not watched as much, it's not as on as many networks, then there's not enough ad revenue coming in, which supports that's the right. team. If they're not buying tickets. I mean, just the ticket sales alone for a stadium, the ticket sales, the food revenue, um, all of the things and people wanting to cover the actual live game, all of these things, you cannot compensate if you do not have the revenue. There I go, the mansplaining again. <laughs> I bet you're sitting with your legs open too and have the AC that, uh, really high, don't you? I, yeah. I'm drinking something like a beer. It's yeah. a See? lime lime cucumber. It's I'm Look, I'm going to take a big swig and burp. I don't even know how your husband even let you get on here. Did you ask permission to talk? I did. Okay. Well, then you're okay. Of course. <laughs> of course I now, cleared it with my husband. I know. I did too. But that's probably just because I'm abused and don't know I'm traumatized by the patriarchy. <laughs> uh, so the next one says that when it comes to the pay gap, now hold on to your beer and go ahead and get ready for your mansplaining. Because it says that for Black, Latina, and women of color, I don't know what that even means, the pay, the pay gap is even worse. Black women have to work 21.5. <laughs> I would love to be the person who was like taking these notes and like confirming that this is legit because they, they really probably didn't. They have to work 21.5 months to make what white men did in a year. 
I have a question. If we're comparing women to men, why does it matter what color they are? Things that make you go, hmm. If women, if they're going to compare black women to, I'm assuming white women, why did white men come in there? Because it, it, it would make sense to me that we're just doing a gender comparison, right? So a black man would still, by their argument, be making more than a black woman. So why do we need to mention white men? I don't know. My, my brain does this thing where it like digs into information and questions things. And this is usually what gets me into trouble, Katie. It does. And I don't even know if my husband wants me to ask questions. I probably should have asked him first. Um, but it says that when comparing all women workers, regardless of how many hours they worked, that number is even steeper. For other women of color, post-COVID-19, Latina women make 49 cents for every dollar. Asian American and Pacific Islander women, 75 cents for every dollar. And indigenous women, think Pocahontas, uh, 50 cents to every dollar per research from the National Women's Law Center, which I'm sure is a very upstanding organization and we can trust everything that comes out of there. So case in point, if you're a white woman, you are gonna pay more for your tampons. If you're a black woman, you may not even be able to get a tampon. That's pretty much what I came away with. You might have to ask the white woman to loan you a tampon or Dylan Mulvaney, depending on where you live. I'm just saying. Well, so, he's, he's the real problem here. He's hoarding all of the tampons. He, well, that's not true. Let me correct you. You're mansplaining again. He actually gives them away. He buys them on purpose because God knows women have never been able to really secure tampons until he came along and said, I'm going to give them to all my friends. So if you happen to run into them, grab one for me because I can't afford them. I will. I will. Yeah, I don't know. I think they had to add the diversity in there because there was too many bullet points without it. They needed to <laughs> remind you that not only are we, um, you know, just less than and oppressed, we're even more less than and oppressed. We have to subcategorize, yes. which yes. is something that I wanted to point out about the feminist movement in general that we kind of touched on in the beginning was, again, the diversity and inclusion, right? Unless you don't think of like them, unless like you're a woman that has, you know, other values, other principles, other morals, whatever it is, you stand for something else, then you don't matter. And you're That's being right. told that by a woman is that now you don't matter, that you're part of the problem. It's it's really it's a slippery slope of of just absolute chaos because it doesn't yes. make sense. I mean, I feel like I personally have a lot of leeway. Everyone can do what they want. There's I cannot control anyone and I cannot impose my values on people. I get it. Right. But it, it is also my job to educate people on my values because that's part of my values. That's what mm -hmm. we're supposed to be doing as believers is bringing people um, to Christ and sharing the word and all of these other things. <clears throat> so I get it if that's not if that's not what you believe. But why? Why do you have to treat other people as the stepping stone to accomplish what you want to accomplish? Because I myself don't do that. I know you don't do that. And so many other people alike. But why are people that are involved with these movements so hell-bent on using other people as a stepping stone? I don't think that you can be superior and oppressed at the same time. Of course it's a you very, can. BLM <sighs> proved that. Yes, you can. You can complain about the lack of opportunities the lack of education, the lack of housing, you can complain and you can make it all contingent on and predicated on skin color. At the same time, when you have caused complete chaos, right, and anarchy because of this lie, you can then grift and move all the way up into the hills where there's 2% black population, spend multi-millions, okay, of this money that allegedly was gonna go into the black communities you were just opining or suffering and buy property and invest in your family and buy, buy land in the Caribbean. That's what you do. So if you can create 
the belief that there's a marginalized class of any type, okay, and you get enough people to buy into it, it doesn't matter if you believe it because as we discussed earlier, you'll get the funding because you're pushing their narrative. And then once you're done pushing that narrative, because where is Black Lives Matter now? I couldn't tell you, right? Um, after all is said and done and those people grift and take their money and they go packing, the people who actually were buying into it are the ones left holding the bag. So all those communities that were damaged and destroyed, all of those properties and businesses that were looted and burned, all of the police that were subjugated to all kind of uh, um, being maligned and lied on and some even killed, right? Now the dastardly deed is done. The destruction is done. And now after we've made those inroads, we just come in with something else, another grift of victimization, and we continue to build and build and build. But remember what the, yes, boo hiss. But remember what the ideology is. In order to build back better, you have to destroy what existed first. And that's what this is all about. Like you said, I wanted to touch on something you said, which is very true. This whole argument about feminism is supposed to be about the inequality of women in comparison to men, okay? But notice they had to bring up the race of black women so that they could show even within the female group, there's another group, another subcategory who was even more victimized than the white women. So how do those two women work together if the black women feel like they're less than the white women? Well, they don't. That's why you have the third, fourth wave movement because even within the movements, you've gotta have a breakdown of more movements and neither shall the two meet. Now I see you as a threat, even though we were once you know, a kind of homogeny. Now you're a threat because I make less than you and you've commercialized and capitalized on feminism, okay? As the, as the, the protesting went on, you left me behind because now I not only am a woman, I'm also a black woman. I'm twice the victim you are. And remember, we just read about the Asians, right? And the Hispanics, they make less than each other too. So now there's that subcategory and it never ever ends. And it's not supposed to. It does exactly what it does. It creates demarcation lines so that even when they're proclaiming we're all reaching across the aisles, we're really punching each other in the face when it comes down to it. So well, that- you notice, I wanted to say that they focus a lot on the outcome, but not the opportunity. Because if yes. we ever talked about the opportunity that was available and what things attributed to utilizing an opportunity to succeed, we would not be having this conversation anymore. If no. those things were talked about in the way that this feminist movement everybody's got a problem, we're oppressed, we're victims, all of these things. If that was not the focus for me, that I've been through a shit ton of things in life, I'll be the first one to tell you I'm an open book. Mm -hmm. I, I don't claim to be the most wildly successful, but I think that I have the, the outcome of every opportunity that I took. Yes. That's Facts. again, I know I'm mansplaining, but that's the logical conclusion that got me to where I am. Are there variables? Yes. But Getting we're not overwhelmed. The exceptions. Right. Yeah. But it's it's overwhelming because we're living in a world where we have to consider everyone's individual attributes to the outcome of their life. Yes. Okay, I get it. Some people fall on hard times. Sometimes terrible things happen. Da da da. But we cannot just generalize these things and talk about right. the goal. We can't talk about capitalizing on the opportunity available. If we change the direction of those conversations, as opposed to looking at your outcome now, because well, I mean, you do need to kind of look back. That's self reflection. But to right. be able move forward you have to have a goal in mind you have to look at the opportunity and you have to maximize taking advantage of those opportunities to the best of your ability and your outcome will always be equal to that i agree and, I, and li I like you have had a past fraught with all kind of trauma and drama and i think maybe one of the reasons why i'm extremely anti-feminist is because i was raised by three generations of women Okay, there was not one man in the house other than my brother and my cousin who were children. And I can tell you that 
Uh, that much estrogen is enough to drive anybody to drink. It's no wonder none of them could hold on to a husband or, <laughs> or you know, maybe that's what they had hiding under the bed. I don't know. But they, they could not ever hold on to a relationship. They were very angry, very aggressive, extremely opinionated, which is not a problem because I am too, but opinionated to a fault, emotionally opinionated, not facts-based opinionated. And one of the things they used to always tell me was I basically was going to always have some type of suffering because of my skin color. Okay. And this was kind of beat into me from young. So my best bet was, you know, I was, when I was younger, you know, when you're younger, you're a little bit prettier because you've got your youth and whatnot, right? That's what we're told. And I was to use that to flex and hopefully land a guy to take care of me for the rest of my life, right? Which is a horrible thing to tell a young woman. And my ideology was to pursue that type of lifestyle, right? And I'd gotten a lot of trouble because I was pursuing that because nobody is here to sit, sit here and take care of you while you sit on your lazy butt and you're only going to be young and pretty for so long. You've got to actually produce something. So like you, you know, I'm the first homeowner in my family. You know, I'm the first person, and this is really sad. I'm the first woman in my family to be married and have children by just that one man and stay married. I've been married 22 years this April 14th. No one in my family has managed that. So that may not seem huge to some people. That is a huge thing for me, right? Because I'm breaking curses that were passed on to me. I, like you, don't believe I'm stuck in any position because of what I look like. That's absolute trash and garbage. I know plenty of people who are not Black who are poor, who live paycheck to paycheck. I actually have a friend whose husband died, my husband and I were sending her food through Amazon. She was white. So, I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't line up with the narrative, right? If anything, she should have been sending me stuff. That's what that's what the narrative is. But she fell on hard times. She was going to a, a what do you call that? Like a, a commissary, right? To get cheese and stuff. And I'm like, you can't feed that awful crap to your kids. So we sponsored her for a little while. We're still friends to this day. She's not married. She's not married to a very, very wealthy man, just had a child with him. And I'm very happy for her. But to, to try to lie to people and make them believe that they're stuck into this like perpetual victimization is so damaging. Unfortunately, it's effective. It's effective. Excuse me. I did want to comment mm -hmm. on that before you move on okay. is that. I think that that's a very big difference as well is when your heart is in the right place and you don't live by that mindset because if you do you don't feel the same compassion for someone a friend no matter you know what they're going through and things like that if you have that's that true. mindset i don't see how you could reach your hand out um to help someone that's right would, that's very true i, I mean what What's the statistics on that? You know, just not feeling like you can you can care enough. I mean, I've done I've done a lot of like charity work. Nobody ever didn't take something from me and say, no, it's you know, because you're white or right. Um, you're privileged. I don't right. Nobody ever nobody ever said <laughs> I want those your damn to privileged me. cans of beans. So. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It does it it does create a narrative of distrust and hatred. Something else that I noticed that's really interesting too in this feminazi movement, and, and that's what I call it, feminazi, because it's very totalitarian and fascist. Um, it's an all or nothing ideology. And one of the places I saw this is, so I'm a stay-at-home mom and I homeschool my kids, and I have done so since my now 21-year-old was in fourth grade. And one of the things that I find very interesting about this situation of being a stay-at-home mom is I didn't really have a lot of employed mothers or women supportive of my position. In fact, I felt very marginalized for a while because a lot of women that worked um, presented themselves as doing more than I am. I even had a woman ask me, so what do you do all day since your husband works? And I thought to myself, my God, do you know what a stay-at-home mom does? A good stay-at-home mom, by the way, not the Oprah-watching, bonbon-eating stay-at-home moms that make their kids clean their house, right? And I always thought, shouldn't it be that we support each other? Because I never felt that women that worked outside the home were, oh, you're not staying with your kids, so you suck as a mom. Because I worked and had a child, too. I was on both sides of it. But we decided that uh, we were spending more money with me working. 
And my, it was actually my husband's idea. And he was like, look, we're going to save more money if you just stay home with our daughter. And of course, two other children came and I've been home with them ever since. Now, I do do other things and I have had other uh, businesses as an entrepreneur working from home. I had a baking business for a while. I had a health coaching business for a while. So I did do something. But obviously, me being with my children was of primary importance because the public school system was failing my oldest daughter. That being said, I had no female ever say, you're doing a great job. I know this must be hard because I'm not from Louisiana and I don't have family here. So I didn't have, you know, an aunt and a grandmother and a mom coming alongside me to shoulder some of the weight. Now, I think that in the feminist movement, one of the things that's interesting even about the historical aspects of it is they were, they were looking at themselves as freeing women from the domestication. Right. As though, as right. though there was a type of bondage. That ideology is still very pervasive. Now there's a mockery of women, which I'm very glad that women are kind of fighting back, you know, and doing videos and kind of, you know, doing a tongue in cheek type of thing where they're vacuuming or cooking and being proud to be stay at home moms. Because I think we were silent for a long time, but they're actually mocking and scorning us and treating us as if we're a type of a, another victim class, really. Right. As though like our husbands are beating us into submission and we're forced to carry our child on our hip as we flip a pancake. Right. So uh, it's everything that's of a traditional value. Um, yes. It's embedded in their minds now because the Prabha has been um, just had a lot of longevity over the years. And, um, you know, we're dealing with the children and the children's children of people of that mindset. But the thing is, is we're here too. We are the children and the children's children of people, you know, of a certain mindset or people have come into this life. Like, like you, you, you grew up very differently, but now you have this, um, this way of life that you love and that you appreciate. Yes. And it's your life. And that's, I think I want to go back to when I said you have people that don't value your their life. They're saying, like, I wish I was dead. If they wish mm -hmm. they were dead, they don't value your life either. And I think that that's a huge difference between, we'll say, I, I can only say us and then all of these other subcategories. But when you put us together, we're all a bunch of subcategories of people yeah. that want to have a traditional life, but just yes. like because of our faith, um, because being of believers and things like that, it's the same thing as they yes. want to trample on people that believe in this way of life. Um, but any other, any other way, you don't see them. Uh, I mean, look at Muslims, look at Muslim women and the, and yes. their tradition of life. That's got to be honored and respected. And yes. you're, you're the problem. If you say something about it, I personally would not, unless right. it's, uh, unless someone is being harmed and things like that. I think that you do have the right to believe what you want to believe, but you do not have the right to trample on other that's people. That's trespassing. Right. Well, they don't have, I guess they don't also believe in natural law because right. bi biblical law and natural law are both aligned to say, don't trespass. And that's, that's right. exactly what they're doing. Exactly. Again, like we were talking about earlier, I, I have to believe that it comes from a place of trying to bottleneck us um, because remember the freedom of speech and the freedom to live your life as you saw fit was what this country was based on. That's what the constitution speaks of. And it holds it in such high regard that it went to war over it. And now we're having to kind of go into war, right? Um, um, and of course, obviously I'm not talking about a physical war though, I'm sure that will avail itself at some point, but an ideological war, because we're simply saying, we're not like a lot of these other groups that are asking for special rights. We just want to be able to maintain the rights that already belong to us. So I kind of feel like we're having a civil rights movement all over again, but this time it's based on uh, the narrative that we don't want to be told that our values have fallen by the wayside or they're out of date simply because the powers that be say so. We really, and this is what I believe about most conservatives and most believers, you can be a feminist. I really don't care. If women feel like they're you know, treated unequally, they can go and fight for that. They have the right to do that. But again, un unfortunately, these people are not content 
to just hold to their ideas and fight for them. They must absorb all of the community into it by stripping us of the things that we hold dear, making a mockery of traditional values, trying to destroy the nuclear family, right? And then completely, um, this is the worst part, completely changing the paradigm of how our children are educated so that they don't want to honor what we honor or value what we value. They're being told, you don't have to do what your parents say. And the way that they think is probably not, um, it's probably not progressive enough. So we're going to give you the freedom, the freedom to do as you choose, right? Do what thou wilt is the whole of the law. Thanks, Alistair Crowley. And you being challenged by your parents is them trying to take away your rights. This is how this is being positioned. So the thing that I keep hearing you, I've, I've heard you mention a couple of times, is this kind of death cult mentality. And it is, it's a nihilism. It's nothing matters. Nothing's going to happen to you if you do something horrible to your body or if you, you know, affect someone else's life in some way. They need to think like you because we're right and they're wrong, right? So the oppression Olympics is how you get there. So I want to I, I want to say you remember we talked about marketing, right? Yep. So they have to market the things that they want to sell. Look, if you have not noticed yet, and I don't mean you, I'm talking to the listeners, uh, which, you know, most likely will just wind up with like minded people. But for the person that's found this that goes, what are these people talking about? Maybe they're ready to troll on us. That's fine. That'd Is that they are going to market what? they want you to think and we talked about propaganda in part one and yes. i want to i want to show this clip and i want you to think about how many things just like this that you're seeing that's being lifted up that's being um idolized of what is popular okay how come you guys just don't want like a big primary bedroom like a <laughs> share it together <laughs> These men are gonna sleep in a bed with me at in in a primary bedroom together. Oh. No, no, we we have individual relationships, and even now with getting three bedrooms, I'll be able to date and have my other partners come visit. You know, everybody needs a private space. The three of us don't sleep together. Like we're not in the same bed. Like we don't kind of get down yeah. like that. Sorry, so we, didn't <laughs> go there. We it's like all questions. Good. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> How many things just like this are being pushed out? Now, I don't I don't watch a lot of TV. I have social media, so I see the clips of people kind of going, what's going on with this? Or look what's look what they're showing you. Um, but I'm smart enough to know that this is normal. I saw it in a pattern for a very long time that was being pushed, which is why. I don't watch TV anymore. I can tell when I'm looking for documentaries, like while I'm scrolling through things, um, whether it's on Netflix or YouTube or whatever it is, is that this is what's being pushed. When you look on social media, the the this kind of behavior is being pushed. It's not about loyalty. It's not about trust. It's not about this. It's about fulfilling the desires that you have in your mind. It's the the actions that you want to do with no regard for the consequence. We talked about taking advantage of opportunity. When you do when you have certain opportunities, it's your outcome is the result of the opportunities you have taken. Yes. What opportunity is this woman taking? I won't even go there. I won't even go there. I want to just simply focus on the propaganda of what is being pushed, that it's normal. How desirable is this life to the wild woman or to even the men, the men that don't want to be necessary. I don't know if these men are committed to only her and she can do whatever she wants. I would kind of right. assume all three of them are doing whatever they want. Yeah. Yes. So, so what is that? And then it's, and then the audacity to call it a marriage. Yes. A marriage yep. is something that is holy and biblical. This yeah. Is a part, this is a partnership. This is the new age. Polyamorous. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. Polyamorous. And I love that they call it amorous. Yeah. I, I mean, 
Ooh, where to start? Um, <laughs> it, it's unfortunate too, because I mean, given the, the proof that women are far more affected um, in these types of relationships, even just with a high body count, you know, I don't need to go through it, but it's it's a proven fact that women lose a lot of their uh, connecting ability um, when they have multiple partners. And it's also been proven in, sure, you remember those reality shows where they had, you know, one man plus seven wives, you know, that type of thing. And one thing that you always saw was the women were arguing with each other, you know, the sister wives, you know, didn't care for each other too much. They'd have to steamroll the oldest one out and bring in another one because they get tired of not getting the affection of the man. Now, this is just common sense. You and I are married and you're not going to always get the attention of your husband. You're just not. Right. And it's not because he's a horrible husband. It's because usually they're working, they're tired. You know, they don't want to hear a bunch of conversation all the time. And you learn as a wife how to know your husband. Right. You're like, OK, it's not a good time now. I'll talk to you tomorrow because I know you're tired or whatever. Right. Um, that's just one guy with one wife. Right. So <laughs> imagine you got two men, one woman. It's it it is a it is a sham, it is a mockery, um, to be able to take something created and ordained by God, and then just make what you want of it, right? I, I'm of the mind that if you don't really want to hold to God-like tenets, why even call it by things that God created? Just call it shacking. That's what people did back in the day, right? Just call it shacking. Why even why even try to put the affront of a marriage on it? Two questions. One, is this feminism? I would say it is. I would say it is because remember the sexual revolution was put in place so that women could believe they no longer had to hold to the traditional ideas of what a woman was supposed to be, the modesty, you know, the being pure and a virgin, right? That we're done with that because if men can go around sleazeballing their way, you know, through life, why can't women be sleazy too? Darn it, we're gonna fight for them to drop their draws on the dime with any guy that they want. And yes, that means they can even have two men, you know, I was gonna say something really crude. They have two, <laughs> have two men hitting it, you know, too, and it's totally fine. And dare you not say anything because there's no slut shaming, remember that? No slut shaming, even though to be a slut is shameful, we're gonna take the language and the semantics and make it sound like it's something protective of a certain class of people. No, you're a hoe. When I was a kid and you did something like that, you were a slut. Remember the yep. one girl who gave it up to all the boys in school, right? She was slut shamed. Why? Because all the other girls that saw that were like, oh, I would never do what she did. And if you did do what she did and you got shamed, you were horrified that anybody found out you did what you did. We don't have that shame anymore because we don't have a shame honor culture. Now we celebrate everything that's evil and wicked. We parade it around and we applaud it, right? But lipstick on a pig is still a pig. So that's funny. She was horrified <laughs> some of the words you are using are words that are not allowed and so um i've i've taken it back old school after some conversations with friends and we've decided to go back to using the word harlot oh, okay um, that's biblical i can go with that right classy. That. um and then I, I think of any other belief or religions religious system uh, outside of what we believe the bible and all of those things mm -hmm. any uh like okay hanukkah i can't put up a christmas tree and call it hanukkah i can't celebrate christmas but still call it hanukkah right why can you enter into relationships that are outside of the biblical context and still use its name there is just one group that is being trampled on yes the believers the believers and yes. everything that we hold near and dear to our heart this is our faith this is our belief system this is the way we operate in life and to see people just take these things and use it like it's nothing is so offensive it is. it's 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 honestly disgusting and it's disheartening it and it 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 makes me it really makes me upset that you're taking something holy and using it the misrepresentation of what it is like you said yes. pick a, pick a different name 
This right. is your new this is your new religion. You can do whatever you want, remember? Call yeah. it something else. Call it something else. Now people can be they them. They don't have to subscribe to a, a gender. You created something for that. Create right. something for this because exactly. it's offensive to my belief system. Yeah, but and I 100% agree, but I think the thing is the reason why they're able to kind of maneuver so uh in such a cavalier way with our faith is unfortunately i have to admit we have given them the ability to do that see islam doesn't tolerate that they know that if they say anything against their prophet right you're done you cannot say or do anything against their prophet because they venerate him so highly okay and they take so seriously their uh scriptures that say anything against them is anathema you're accursed and i mean to the point where some some uh in islam i'm not going to color the whole religion that way but some in islam will put a fatwa on you they literally feel like you should die okay because they take it so seriously so imagine if we maintaining our nonviolent stance but still refuse to allow that kind of disrespect towards Jesus, okay, toward the scriptures. Um, and we kind of stood for, no, you cannot be a homosexual and preach the gospel. No, you cannot marry two men in the church. No, you cannot take the scriptures and convolute them and make them evil and say things they don't say, like uh, Jonathan and David were lovers, right? Okay, to support your ideology. The kind of blasphemy that we've allowed in the body of Christ is why we are where we are. And it's why other religions are respected and we're not. They have taken our kindness for weakness and we let them. They're, they know that we're not going to do anything. We're not going to push back. So much so, Katie, that in the body of Christ, if you or I or others that think like us hold to the tenets of the faith to where we, as the Bible says, contend right for the faith with zeal and passion, you're considered unloving, right? You're considered being um, aggressive or legalistic, right? If you say, sorry, I cannot support this particular thing, that does not mean I hate you. It simply means that I have to take the stance of the one I'm following. So I think most of us are not followers, we're fans. You know what fans do, right? They chant the chant and they wear the sweatshirt, but they don't go to any of the games. They don't really go to the games. They kind of just watch them on TV and they pretend like they're coaching from their couch. Just my two cents. I don't know where we where we really went so wrong. Yeah, we didn't. Maybe we didn't. So I'll I'll take responsibility for that. I will take responsibility for that as a people, as a collective, um, as believers. Yes, me too. But I will also point out being under attack being specifically attacked um for for those values and being upheld you talking about we're talking about kind of like the muslim religion and islam and all of those things or mm -hmm. even my christmas tree and calling it hanukkah if i posted that online and said it's hanukkah or whatever or pictures of jesus and all this other stuff whatever i could mm -hmm. do to kind of uh, offend the jewish faith I would have people that are not even Jewish contributing and defending the Jewish religion. Yeah, you'd be kind of anti-Semite. Believers do not have that. Did God say that? Did God tell us that in the Bible that it was literally going to be us against the world? Yes, he did. And 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 we always were. That was never ever, you know, some new thing for the present era. It's always been that way. But again, I would argue that even though it's always been that way, the difference is you did have people contending for the faith, right? You didn't have them allow when you did have Israel allowing ungodly things. God was very quick to separate the people that would do right, okay, and cast off the ones who didn't do right. And there was always kind of this dividing sword that made very clear, you're either for me or you're against me. Now, because things have become so muddled, if, if you do not love, okay, which that term has been so blown out of proportion because it's not even biblical anymore, it's more eros, you know, it's more emotions driven. If you and I do not 
say the thing and do the say the line and do the thing, we will be accused of not being loving. And I'm talking about judging those right there in the faith. All of us have heard, judge not lest you be judged. So we believe we're not supposed to judge. That is not biblical. The Bible makes very clear that you're supposed to judge with a righteous judgment. So if I lie and you catch me in a lie, you're not doing me any service by not calling me out, right? You don't have to lambast me in public. You don't have to gossip about me on Instagram, but you can pull me to the side and go, Ebony, listen, I know for a fact that what you said wasn't true. And I'm only telling you because I love you and I think you need to repent. Imagine, Katie, if the body of Christ did that across the board with the hope of restoration, not to browbeat you, right? Even though it's not always going to be received, right, with joy, you're going to feel love that someone called you out before you could be exposed because God will eventually expose all of us who are not walking circumspectly. But because we've not held each other accountable, we've been waylaid. So the enemy has found every broken door, right? Every crack in the wall to come into, and he's just wreaking havoc. So we were supposed, we were given the things that we needed. We were given the word. We were given the spirit. God is not going to do it for us, right? And Islam and Jehovah's Witness and Mormons and all these other groups, one thing they have is a type of camaraderie because they're protective of each other and they're protective of the faith. Even if they have infighting, Right. They don't expose it to the world. We do. We have over thirty five thousand different denominations of Christianity. Explain to me how we have one God, but we have thirty five thousand different ways of looking at him and serving him. And we won't even fellowship together because if you're a Baptist, God forbid you come in a church that's not Baptist. I mean, it's the most. And, and then yet we're telling people of this great faith we have, yet we don't really live it like we believe it's really great. Right. We should be defending Christ in love to people who are marginalizing or blaspheming or saying anything contradictory to the word. If somebody comes on social media, which is like the safest place to show you're behind, okay? Keyboard warrior and all. If somebody comes on there and says something that is an untruth about your God, there cannot be this dismissive like, oh, whatever. No, because guess what? They might really be ignorant about what they're saying. Do you look at that? And I'm not saying you have to answer every dumb thing that's said, but there are times when there needs to be a call to action or, or in your hearing, somebody in the family, you know, makes some type of dig at the faith or says something untrue about the word of God, right? And misquotes it. We don't say anything. We've become so apathetic when it comes to the things of God. And I think uh, in addition to what you said about, we've always been the most attacked. And that's because I believe, and I'm sure I'm biased, that that's because our faith is the truest faith. That's the, that's, that's the reality of it. The truest thing yeah. is always attacked. The lie isn't. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, and I would like to take note of the amount of accountability um, that just even in a simple conversation, this is a very honest conversation about accountability for why we are here today. Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, for every opportunity that we have taken advantage of is the result of where we are today. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm really glad that that happened very organically because I think it's a testament to our faith and who we are as people. And uh, I want people to know that even if you're on, we'll just say a different side, you have a different line of thinking that we don't hate you. We don't think that you're stupid. No. You know, some of the things we can kind of poke fun of because it just, uh, some of the things are just really foolish and it's not contributing to the betterment of individuals to yes. humanity, to kindness, to any of those things, because we very much have exposed that under the umbrella of diversity, inclusion, and equal rights, that it's a very segregated marketplace. Absolutely. It's a marketplace because that's that's what they're trying to sell us, is that they're trying to give everybody their own little piece that they can take away and live in their truth, you know, which is causing a lot of friction. I did want to bring up about how you said about the line of thinking the other day when we were speaking on the podcast is that uh, we don't we don't all have to think alike. And I That's think right. that that seems to be a real a real big struggle is that I know for me personally, I've said it 
right here tonight is that I have no control over people. I cannot tell you what to do. I cannot tell you what to think, but I am, if I'm going to have a platform, I'm going to use it to speak the actual truth, the hypocrisy, the way that, that we're treating each other and the things that are happening in real time and hopes that we can come to an agreement that something has got to change. We don't need to think the same, but we cannot continuously be working against each other. We don't That's even right. have to work together. We do not have to work against each other. And you don't need to trample on anyone to get That's to right. where you're going. That's right. And, I agree. And, um, and I would add to that, that there is this uncomfortable, unfortunate aspect to this because I actually, and I even said this to you before, I prefer conversations with people who don't see eye to eye because I'm very interested in the whys of what people believe. Very interested. I'm, I'm not necessarily interested in trying to change their view, but I do like debate because I do think that some positions I hold since they're rooted in Christ are the better position, not because they're mine, but because they're his, right? And even I've had to change my ideology and line it up with his. So it's not me trying to push, you know, my thinking. It's me trying to say his thinking is so far above all our thinking that the best way you can ever live is to line it up with his. So I do have, if I have an agenda, it's to try to get people to see that your thinking on its own is very, very limited in knowledge and scope, right? And so the things that you think are because of your experiences or your understandings at this point, but if everybody is willing to understand that we've all been wrong before and we, we can all be wrong again, that means that you're meek, you're teachable. So I like talking to people who don't agree with me in the hopes that maybe I can drop something that I've learned that will be beneficial to them. However, um, I do understand that even with me speaking in a whisper and using flowery language, people are going to still think that I'm hateful because I don't agree with them. I think that's part for the course of following Christ because there was nobody more gentle, more loving, more humble, more forgiving than Jesus Christ, nobody. And if people wanted to murder him simply because of the words coming out of his mouth, far be it for me to act like it's gonna be any different for me or anyone else that claims to serve him. It's just, it just comes with the territory of serving someone who says you're sinful and you need a savior. That's, that's offensive, it's offensive. So. And I was going to say, just knowing all of that, of kind of just our own, our own personal way, a way of thinking uh, through all of those things that we're kind of up against and having to think through and pray about and all of that stuff is that uh, I still don't find myself sitting here with a victim mentality. I find exactly. myself, but you know, pushing and wanting to do better, wanting to be the best person that I could be and try to live that kind of life. And hopefully Absolutely. those things will radiate outwards by sharing, a, you know, a good positive message. But that starts with really being honest with yourself of saying, you know, I've been wrong, but I am teachable. I think that was an excellent point. Thank you for that. Yes. There were 36 of these, um, where women feel like they're not equal and God forbid, we're not going through all of them. The very last one though, I do think touches on everything we've talked about and it kind of gives you a good bird's eye view into um, what this really is all about. So it says women still don't have bodily autonomy. In June, 2022, the Sup Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the landmark case that made access to abortion legal in every state. The decision was a major setback for women and the fight for bodily autonomy. In just one ruling, the Supreme Court dismantled almost 50 years of federally protected abortions and led the way for states to implement their own rules. Since the ruling, 12 states have banned or severely restricted abortions, while four have added major restrictions such as gestational age bans on abortions. In states where abortions remain legal, abortions have increased roughly by 11%, which suggests women now have to travel across state lines to have a safe abortion. Of course, there hasn't been a ruling from the highest court of the country on what a man can do with his body. I just wanna to touch on one last thing to surmise kind of everything we talked about. And that is, I will never believe that any woman actually has a good reason to abort her child right? Not for health, not for rape, because those are so infinitesimal. And now with science, real science and technology, a lot of times they can actually operate on the baby even while it's in the womb of the mother. So those are the fringe reasons why they're constantly pushing this. But about 85 to 95% of abortions are done because they're just not convenient. The pregnancy isn't convenient. That being said, 
No woman can ever make me believe she's pro-woman and pro-abortion at the same time. It's not going to happen. Just like a Black person can't make me believe they're pro-Black, but at the same time, they're pro-abortion. One cancels the other out. It's a contradictive ideology. If you truly believe in the rights of women, you'll believe in the rights of women that are here and the ones that have yet to come. You're going to want to completely support and protect those lives of those people in that group that you claim are marginalized. You're not going to marginalize them further. You're not going to destroy their lives so that they can't grow up and be the thing that you keep claiming you support. This is me stepping down off my soapbox. <laughs> so, I mean, that's that's awesome. And that was an excellent point. Um, I completely agree. I think that, again, to just point out is that nothing on the road of feminist is contributing to a better humanity. Yeah. I think there was there's been a lot of progression made when it comes to rights like voting but i yes. think it's important for people to know that this is part of the agenda just even right here within the united states with two people working they are getting double the amount of income tax and that contributed to kind of everything every every way that our economy is now um yes. and that's that's why child care is so expensive um there's taxes on that there's licensings on that and so again it's market creating a situation supply demand and and all of these things and it's not Washington to say that we, do, we you know women shouldn't be striving for great things and careers and different avenues and things like that but everything you do in life has a consequence and that's not to use consequence in a negative matter you've got to go back to the definition of the word it's just the result of, right. of what is happening and so um i think it's important to consider what is the consequence we talked a lot about the opportunity and the outcome with that there's also a consequence included in the outcome and so it's that's just right. very important that we like pump the brakes a little bit and think about what it is that we're supporting before we support it. Don't be afraid to do research, to learn something new, to listen to someone right. that maybe you 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 don't agree with today, but um, all of these things is what helps to build us to be better people. We didn't start out this way. As Ebby and I have shared that, you know, we've had long lives in this very short yes. amount of time. A lot of things Lifetime have happened. Episodes. Right, exactly. <laughs> a lot of things have happened, but um, it's about starting a new day and um, taking advantage of every opportunity um, that you want. But you you need to be clear on what is your goal and really think about what's the outcome of your actions. Because taking taking a life is you can't turn that back. You're not going to be the same, and That's that right. life will just um, it's over. And each individual Absolutely. life is, is special and beautiful. And that's why we're talking about it because we not only care about ourselves and what we think, but we care about other people. And it's important to um, just kind of sit down and have these conversations in a realistic and respective manner. So Absolutely. I enjoyed this conversation with you, Abby. I appreciate Thank you, you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a good time when I'm talking with you, Katie. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much. And you guys have a wonderful, wonderful night god bless you all and we'll see you soon bye bye before you go hit follow and share with a friend wake up to a new episode of louisiana sister squad podcast every tuesday